Today on the ZabeCast, you know, things that confuse me are often the most fascinating. And that's why I've got a long list of questions for anybody who understands the so-called club scene. Antonio Brown is clearly happy, but what will the Steelers do about it? We got Drew Olsen today. We'll talk about the Hall of Fame players wanting a salary. All that plus the worst name for a daily newspaper I think I've ever heard. If you've got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go! Wednesday, September 19, 2018. Thank you for downloading. So, got a lot to talk about today. Antonio Brown missed work on Monday and then tried to play it off like, oh, no, it's no big deal. Or at least his agent did, Drew Rosenhaus. You know, him of the next question fame, Drew Rosenhaus. It's a very passive-aggressive move. I'll get into it in just a second, but still. Next question. It's <laughs> Trouble's brewing. In Pittsburgh, there's no question about that. And uh, we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame players requesting, not requesting, demanding a salary and health care benefits. Drew Olson will talk to us about scoring Christian Yelich's second cycle of the season. And we'll get further into the Clay Matthews hit where apparently now the NFL is saying, oh, oh, you, you don't like that, huh? Well, guess what? We're going to make it a teaching video. We want all our referees to call the hit just like that. Unbelievable, but then again, it's the NFL, so I guess I believe it. Let's start with this. Some of you might have heard on my local show in D.C., me and Scott talking about our foray to the legendary Hakkasan nightclub in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand on Friday night. Luckily, because I do have some friends in nice high places, Scott Gertner, the director of marketing for the MGM Grand, was able to get myself and Scott in on the VIP list because we're not going to pay money to go in that club and we're not going to wait in line, that's for sure. But people do and people were, which is a whole nother set of questions I have to ask you people about. I don't know if anyone listening to this Sabecast is even young enough or hip enough to understand the club scene, but it is entirely and incredibly fascinating to me because I just I just have so many so many questions. Of course, people that listened to our segment on Monday uh, said it sounded like the uh, it sounded like a scene from or it sounded like the SNL digital short with Andy Sandberg, who's hilarious. He of the Lonely Island fame and Dick in a Box and. Uh, Mother Lover, and all these other songs. Fake songs. I'm on a boat, you know. They did an SNL digital short about three minutes long called When Will the Bass Drop? And it's about a fake DJ. That'd be DJ Da Vinci. Two V's, two I's. Who, you know, is up there, and all he does is just with one finger press some buttons for the electronic beats that are playing on this big array of equipment that makes him this very popular DJ. And the joke is, he's just he's, he's enticing the crowd to wait, wait for it, wait for it. We're building up, we're building up. The bass hasn't dropped yet. The bass hasn't dropped yet. And he's doing all this other stuff that, you know, he's cooking an egg, he's playing Jenga, he's screwing around, he's drawing a portrait of himself. The joke is that, like, with all this electronic stuff, these DJs today, they don't do a lot of work. Like, I've seen a real DJ at work 
Once Upon a Time. Tomorrow, Notorious J.A.Y. will remind me who this was that I saw. I was at a smaller club in Miami during Super Bowl week, and it was it was a black guy. It was a DJ. I did not know his name, but when I told it to Jay, he's like, oh, yeah, that guy's really good. And he had literally crates of 45s, records, wax, uh, with him, you know, behind the DJ booth, and he had two turntables. And he was playing songs, and he'd play one song and the other song, and he would then scratch it up in his ear and then turn up the, the record player. I don't know why I'm having trouble talking here. And he would just go from one song to another and mix the beats seamlessly with actual records and a record player and a needle and headphones. Not today's DJs. No, no, nothing like that. In fact, at the club, they only played about 30 seconds or maybe a minute, although probably less, of any really hit song. And then it kind of morphed back into just a house beat that, of course, is about a billion decibels in volume. I mean, ear-splittingly loud. It was, it was insane. Excuse my burp there. So the SNL digital short with this fake DJ Da Vinci, Andy Samberg, uh, played on the when is the bass going to drop, and this is what it sounded like, although you need the visuals to see when he does finally push the big red bass button to make the, quote, bass drop. Everyone's head starts exploding. They're in such awe and like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. I noticed when we were at the club, and I don't know who the DJ was at Hakkasan this particular night. There was actually several DJs because this nightclub at the MGM Grand, I mean, it's massive. It's it's literally like three or four floors. It's a labyrinth inside where, I mean, it's really cool. I, I, I was just in awe of it because the walls were like this uneven granite that either looked like some kind of spaceship uh, on the inside or some ancient tomb of some sort. And there's different levels and hallways and different lounge areas. But the main DJ pit or the dance pit or the mosh pit, I don't even know what you call it, you know, was up top. And, and, and so, you know, it was just one thing after another. The beat was almost always one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So the questions I have are this. Number one, how does a DJ get popular? Do DJs in the modern era that are at clubs like this, are they actually skilled in doing something? And what is their skill? What's hard about what they do? Is it that their song, their set list is good? Do they go into the studio and do custom mixes where they will take a hook from a popular song that is popular right now and then work it into house music? You know, and, and, and is there contests? Do they compete against each other to attain status as DJs? I believe the big name DJ at the Hakkasan is Tiesto. Tiesto. And there's other guys that were on. I looked up a list of resident DJs at various clubs, 
And it was funny just you know listening to the names. They they were all like Da Vinci with two V's and two I's or something like that. So how do you get known as a DJ? Do you go in the studio? Do you mix up your own beats? And do you take samples from popular songs? Is that what makes you good? How hard is it to actually do that on stage there? How much money can these DJs make uh, per year? Are there competitions? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Also, what is the legal allowable volume in decibels for a nightclub? Because I really felt like I was on the verge of actual lasting hearing damage by being in the club. It was that freaking loud. And don't get me wrong, I like I like my music loud. Turn it up loud in the car. I like my headphones loud. The reason I don't use my Bose QC25 headphones nearly as much is they don't they, they're not as loud as my beats are. And I need it just two more clicks loud. I need those headphones to go to 11 and they just don't. The the ecosystem of the club and the money centers of the club are fascinating to me. Obviously, there's a lot of money made on entry fees, bottle service because if you get a little area, a little you know, private couch area. Because there's two ways for for you older nerds out there. There's there's two things in the club. You can either you know reserve bottle service to get a booth that'll seat six, eight, ten, something like that, somewhere in the club, and then they come bring you bottles of booze with elements to mix them with with ice, and you got a personal server. And I've done this before with my friend Kevin Workus, who ha- is such a uh, a hot shot. He had had us get bottle service in the table over at. Uh, Hyde nightclub at the Bellagio. Slightly different nightclub, different setting, etc. It kind of it goes from an ultra lounge early in the evening into a nightclub at night. It converts. What's the difference between an ultra lounge and a nightclub? Well, ultra lounges are aimed at an older crowd. 30, 40, 50. Of course, there's no age limit to get into the younger you know, uh, nightclub. I was there. There's even people older than me. But we did kind of stick out. So, and those bottles, the bottle service costs a lot of money. I mean, $500 a bottle, basically. That's why Katy Perry in her song, shout out to all you kids spending your rent money on bottle service. You know, shout out to those of you whose car has been at the club since Tuesday. That kind of stuff. That apparently happens. So these young people spend way too much money on bottle service to go to the club and to bounce around and listen to house music, which sounds like, I'd like to know what is the legal decibel limit? Is there a legal decibel limit or no? Question. If you were to wear small earplugs, discrete earplugs that just cut the volume by 30%, would you be pointed at and laughed at by everyone else in the club? Like, <laughs> look at that lame with his earplugs in. Because I really would have liked that, actually, to be truthful. They make a lot of money on booze, obviously, whether you're buying individual drinks or bottle service. Uh, but why is it that they have people line up and wait and wait and wait outside. Because we got in right away, VIP, no big deal. But there was people, there was a big line outside of people waiting. 
And we go into the club, and I'm like, they could be letting these people in on a very regular basis. Do they make the unwashed who just bought a ticket to get into the club wait so that the VIPs like me and Scott can walk in and feel like, we don't have to wait in line there. These women that get dressed up for the club, I mean, if you're going to the club, you better look perfect because they all pretty much did. Of course, the music is so loud, music, the house music, the beats, the bass, it's so loud, nobody's having any conversations. I mean, you got to get right in the ear of somebody next to you, which I'm sure is kind of the point, but you're not having it. You're not really meeting and greeting. It doesn't seem like it. Do people hook up in the club? A lot? A little? I know that sounds silly, but do they? And how do you know what kind of a club a club is? Do they have brochures that say, here's exactly what you can expect. Here's how much square footage. Here's the different types of music. Here's the options in terms of drinks. Here's what it costs. Do they, do they print a brochure that says, or is it just you got to go and then find out? I've now been in Vegas to a handful of clubs. They all fascinate me. I've been to Trist. I've been to the Foundation Room, which is more of an ultra lounge up top at Mandalay Bay. It's really good. Nice, cool place to hang out for people who are a little bit older, a little bit lamer. Uh, there, I've been to Hyde at Bellagio, now Hakkasan. And we were at some other club. Oh, I forget. It was a, kind of a half indoor, half outdoor nightclub, which had small pools on the outdoor portion and some blackjack tables as well, plus DJ areas and loud music all over the place. I forget the name of it, but totally different. I love it. I love just seeing it. I love just looking around going, look at this. What the hell is going on here? And how long do people stay for a night in a club like this? Like, what is the recommended dosage? I I think I made it an hour and 15 minutes. Scott, less than that. And because we didn't pay, we could leave. So it's no big deal. But after about an hour and 15 minutes of basically the same beats over and over again, I said, okay, that's it. I'm done. We're good. Okay, that exhausts my thoughts and my questions about nightclubs and DJs and everything else. If you have any answers... Or maybe a, a website that's a good primer to explain. So, you're old and lame and want to know about nightclubs. Here, read this pamphlet. Uh, send it my way. I'd love to hear it. Antonio Brown. Man, what a what a bitch this guy is becoming. I'll talk more about this with Jay tomorrow because he is, of course, a big Steeler fan. All I can say is that you start adding up now the stuff with Antonio Brown and it's becoming more and more clear that he is every bit the bitchy, needy diva that most wide receivers, most great wide receivers are. They are super needy creatures. They got to be loved. They have to be fed. They have to be the man. Because after Sunday's loss by the Pittsburgh Steelers, Antonio Brown was not fed enough footballs. Juju Smith-Schuster continues to surge for the Steelers. And you combine that with you know, these little things like when the PR guy, ex-PR guy for the Steelers says, A.B. is lucky he's part of the Steeler Nation and, you know, being thrown to by Big Ben, and he fires back, well, trade me and we'll find out if you're you're right. You know, this stuff starts to add up. Last year, you know, Antonio Brown was on Facebook Live after games in the locker room, which is something that Mike Tomlin did not like. 
He threatened a reporter who wrote a piece about him and his social media exploits from the undefeated, and, and he tweeted at him, hey, uh, next time I see you, we're going to find out about your jaw. Basically threatening the guy. It's too bad. Antonio Brown looks the part of just a smiling, nice, energetic, buoyant, bubbly, badass, route-running, ball-catching, lid-lifting, home-run-making, awesome wide receiver. Which he is. He is all that. But man, he is a bitch as well. And so after this unexcused absence on Monday, which his agent then said, oh no, it was just something personal. He's not mad at the team. Oh no, this has nothing to do with that tweet from the weekend. Oh no, he just wants to win, that's all. He was frustrated uh, by not winning. That's why you saw him and me walking out of the tunnel uh, talking very animated, as I believe Diana Rossini of ESPN reported. Okay, whatever. It's clearly Antonio Brown deciding, hmm, I'm not feeling appreciated enough. An ex-Steeler PR guy tweeted something mean about me. Juju Smith-Schuster got more targets than me. Hmm, Okay. Even though I've been paid, even though the franchise has pretty much kissed my ass and promoted me and said how great I am, I'm still feeling momentarily unloved. So what can I do? I know. I'm going to show the Pittsburgh Steelers, my boss, what one day of not having me looks and feels like. Hope you enjoy it, Pittsburgh. So he takes Monday off and then claims it was no big deal. Right. I think you have, and I know I have, watched this league, and we've seen how wide receivers can be. This is not an accident. He's clearly unhappy. Does he really want to be traded? Who knows? But hell, unlike some other Steelers, like Le'Veon Bell, at least he got paid Antonio Brown, so he's doing a lot better than other guys on that team have done. Stay tuned. I think there's more coming from Pittsburgh before the season is out. We'll talk to Jayco about it tomorrow as well after we hit him up on the club scene, which he may know a little bit about, may not know as much as I think because Jay is pretty uh, suburbanized as well. All right, had a chance to catch up, as I always do, on Tuesdays with Drew. Today is Wednesday, yesterday is Tuesday. Yes, talked to Drew yesterday about the uh, Mike Zimmer bite, cutting his kicker. Uh, Talked to him about uh, the Matthews hit. And the league stance on it. Yadier Molina, not not even uh, Christian Yelich. I don't know why I said that. Christian Yelich and hitting for the cycle. How it was to score that, and a little bit Redskins Packers preview as we get ready for the showdown this weekend. I don't know how this week we're gonna stay on civil terms, but Drew, it is rivalry week. Packers, Redskins. Get ready for a beatdown at FedEx Field on Sunday. Oh, sure, we look like shit against the Colts. But we, oh, we're going to have something special for you boys. I can't wait. <laughs> Come on, talk some you shit. Guys, talk some shit, gotta, Drew. You got to hear fired it. up. Your, your stadium might be almost full for this game. Oh, snap. <laughs> Packers fans God. are coming. Oh, they. in fact, they are. Uh, in, in fact, oh. I've already had some people ask me for tickets. And I said, well, our station no longer has the big fishbowl of free tickets because the team doesn't own us. But I said, it should be an easy get. Did you see the stadium last week? And already several people have said to me, no, no, with the Packers in town, prices are very expensive. 
Yeah, that's the most attractive. All right, there's like- so it's gonna be it's going to be at least a forty percent Packer crowd at least. at least, and it might be fifty fifty. We shall see. Yeah, and then I've had people. I see people on social media asking, "Where are the good sports bars around Landover for pre gaming?" And they do a Google search, and you'll see yeah. that stadium is out in the middle of fucking Nowhereburg, Virginia. <laughs> So, Nowhereburg, Maryland, I, I should say, not Virginia. It's in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing there. There's nowhere to go to a bar and then walk to the stadium. You are not in Kansas anymore, Toto. You're not in Green Bay. You're not going to go to Curly's <laughs> Pub and walk to the stadium. No, that idyllic little uh, title town no. district doesn't exist. Right. You've been to uh, FedEx Field more than once, right, Drew? I, I have Covering. not. No, I you've never, never been. I've, I've, I've been. I was all the years on the was a hole in the ground. I was past it. Oh, yeah. I would say you got to come, but you'll just hate it. Well, I mean, Bob and Brian came one year, and they're like, "Yeah, this is bad." You you weren't kidding about this is not very charming of an experience. I think I saw a baseball game at RFK, but I didn't see. I've never seen a. Uh, a football game at FedEx Field. And all right, so my boy Antonio Freeman, I do a show on Mondays during football season with Antonio Freeman, yes. Packers Hall of Fame wide receiver and yes. uh, Baltimore native. And okay. I asked him, I said, well, free, you know, because he was at, he comes to the first game every year. He comes to a lot of games at Lambeau. The Packers fly him in and he does, you know, appearances and sweet, you know, presses the flesh and sweets and stuff like that. And I said, Free, this is a layup for you, right? And he said, uh, I don't think so. He said, that is such a disaster to get to that piece of shit stadium that I am not going to go. I'm like, he said that when he used to do Redskins uh, stuff on uh, pre and post yes. and stuff, he said it was like a three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour drive to that godforsaken Oh, it's uh, it, it, it's said, not convenient, it. to be sure. Yeah, and, and they, he used to do stuff uh, pre and post, and they would have uh, a, a set on location out at FedEx Field. I don't know if they're doing that this year. I'd have to go ahead and ask my friends over there at NBC Sports Washington, but they used to put a lot of dollars in production behind it where it's like, hey, here we are out in front of the stadium. Look at all the crazy fans going, yeah, what's up? And get a real vibe for what's going on. I think they're just sitting in studio now. They don't want to spend the money on it. And if this team that we've got here is going to you know, limp in to the end of the season at seven and nine or eight and eight, which it probably looks like it is two weeks now. It looks like one good, one bad. Okay, they're, they're going to repeat that for sixteen weeks and then call the season. It's going to be a, a pretty long, slow boat around here. By the way, last couple results, uh, we beat the tar out of you guys in November of twenty sixteen at FedEx Field. That was the you like that? No, that was not the you like that game. That was the Kirk Cousins tussles Scott McLuhan's hair game after the Redskins beat the Packers 42 to 24. That 2016 Packer team, Drew, yeah. bad defensively, oh, as I recall. Absolutely. Horrible defensively. Horrible. And then the game before that at FedEx Field was the playoff game, January 10th, 2016. Packers won 35 to 18 after. My Redskins jumped out to a five nothing lead. <laughs> we got Preston Smith sacked Aaron Rodgers to start the game for a safety two nothing. Uh, a twenty five yard field goal after a drive stalls at the what two yard line? I guess that would be. No, wait a minute. Yeah, or not at the eight yard line. So five nothing. Then Jordan Reed scores a touchdown pass to make it eleven nothing, and. The Redskins mixed the extra point. And at eleven to nothing, 
in the second quarter of a home playoff game against the legendary Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, life couldn't have been nicer as a Redskin fan. We felt like, hey, we're on the verge of doing something. Next thing you know, you guys score 24 unanswered, and we lose going away. Oof. And since then, it's uh, not, not been a lot to brag about around here, Mr. Olson. No, and I'm looking at the line. Like, how are the Packers only favored by three? <laughs> it's basically, Funny how that is, right? It's going to be a home game. What do the guys in Vegas know? Aaron Rodgers is healthy enough. What do you think should be the line? I would think Packers by a touchdown. Okay. I mean, it's a I big know, road number. It, that is a big road number, but I mean, what has Washington shown? They just beat the shit out of a terrible Arizona team and then right. lost to the Colts at home. Right. Like there's and what juice is there? And man, if you don't get pressure, like you have no sacks out of your outside linebackers. Correct. Is that what I've seen. Like yeah, if you don't we got get a couple pressure sacks from Ionitis. That's carve it. Carve them up. Man. That's what you would think. That's what you would yeah. think. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll see how it shakes out. But I'm I'm ready. So you're not coming, I guess. Uh, no, I will be watching that one at Stately I'll host, Manor. I'll host you. Oh, really? Well, then, let me look into flights. Do you know how long a drive it is from my house to uh, uh, FedEx how, All right, so wait, from my house to Lambeau is, no matter what, two hours. Uh, it's probably about the same. Yeah, but... Probably about the same. Here, I'll get it for you right now. But I'm like 119 miles. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm about the same thing as well. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, let's see directions. How do I do this? So, oh wow, I, I thought you were closer than directions. That. I guess I forgot you moved to the you moved to the hill country. Oh, yeah, way, <laughs> way, way right, so out how here. How far are you okay, from ready? the Redskins here we uh, go. practice complex? Okay, you know what? I'm only I'm only an hour twenty two. Hour twenty two. That's seventy eight point seven miles. Okay, but that doesn't count traffic. Well, I was gonna say, yeah. Hey, it's doable. Listen, uh, like like when our friend uh, when our friends Fireman Jim and Doreen came into town to watch the the last game, which was the one at night. I told you about the when I just chronicled the yeah, yeah. going away game. Um, I drove I drove out there. I drove to meet them. They were staying at a hotel out there near uh, FedEx Field, and I picked them up. And we went to the suite the station had, and we watched the suite. As you know, <laughs> the word was they couldn't wear Packer gear in the radio station owned by the team's client suite so they had oh, they could wow. cheer for the packers they just couldn't wear the full gear oh man yeah well what are you gonna do uh, that's a seinfeld but, take but, off that orioles cap you're in the owner's <laughs> box it's a baseball game jerry <laughs> <laughs> i love Delane's absolute uh dismissal of the notion that that was uncool like it's just a baseball game for god's sakes all right, so All let's right. go back to last so, week and the Viking game. What was your takeaway, your net-net, after the Packers took, what, a 29-7 fourth-quarter lead? It was – all right, so here's the thing. You, you've you been telling me, and you've been a Kirk Cousins truther, telling me that the guy was good. And I'm like – I went into this year saying, okay, there's the highway's littered with free agent busts. Right. And guys that are big acquisition busts in the right. NFL. And great quarterbacks in the NFL seldom change teams mid-career. Correct. And you've been t- you've been on the Kirk Cousins is good bandwagon, and then I watched him, and I've watched him a little bit, not a lot, while he was with the Redskins, but because we don't get them in these parts very often. And and uh, he's pretty fucking good. He's pretty good, isn't he? He's pretty fucking good. He throws a good deep ball. He's got presence. Let's just say that for 25 years, the Packers Vikings rivalry has been basically dominated by the fact that the Packers have 
quarterbacks, and the Vikings, and the Vikings have, been have not for that. Have not, except for when they briefly had Favre for two really yes, good seasons and really a third, seasons, which was not very good. Flashes of uh, flash of Randall that, Cunningham, yeah, or Culpepper, an occasional spurt good. of Culpepper, exactly. Yes, but uh, the Vikings punted the ball with five minutes left in the third quarter. They're down twenty to seven, and after that, Cousins had touchdown pass, touchdown pass, interception on deflection by a wide receiver who should be waved yeah uh, touchdown pass and then missed field goal missed field goal yeah so he lit them up yes yes in, in a key rivalry game down by 13 it, it's just not was, terrible not was, terrible he's pretty, good pretty good and pretty so good. that levels the field now i still think i was surprised that the vikings i was surprised that the packers were ahead and uh, controlling the game like they were for much of the game because i didn't think they had it in them but then their defense was on the field a lot, and Cousins kind of exposed them at the end. These teams are maybe closer in talent than I thought. But the thing is, Cousins is, is it, as great as the Vikings are in constructing their team, Cousins is an equalizer, but I still think Rodgers is better. And when push comes to shove, I would say that the Packers still have an edge because of Rodgers. I would he's say that much better. He's just a click better than Cousins. He, he, that, oh, he's, he's more than a click better. Well, and I've never sold Cousins as anything of a – genuine i mean i've never said he was like a superstar i just no. said he's really good i said he's uh, a nerd grinder who is dedicated to his craft he knows where to go with the ball he knows how to go there quickly he has uh, more than sufficient arm talent and you put good players with him you saw how he was i mean he is kirk cousins has to be kicking himself going i can't believe i've got Thielen and Diggs to throw to Exactly. And then occasionally I throw to Treadwell, which makes no sense because he completely Clank. Sucks. Clank, exactly right. <laughs> Clankwell. You're, you're hoping that Treadwell stays on the Vikings for as long as possible. As well, a he's, he's fan, running right? out of his, his coupon for I'm a first-round pick, you got to keep me. Coupons are just about gone. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so – I was so that's the thing to me is this whole the rivalry has changed because of Cousins now and he's good and I put him ahead of Stafford in the division he's right you know again he's not Rogers level but he's the next tier which is pretty sweet and you can win with a guy like that sure sure uh, let's see it was twenty to seven uh, going into the fourth quarter yeah not twenty nine to seven so yeah, it, was a, it was a it was a thirteen point fourth quarter to seven lead. yep yep all right what about the call against Matthews uh, absolute travesty. Horrific. I mean, it's a, and then what really pisses me off is that they doubled down on it now. And it's like three years ago when they were worried about headshots to receivers and defenseless players and stuff, they put out like videos of how the tackle and that that's a form tackle. What what Matthews did. And it wasn't in any way late. It wasn't in any way illegal. But, Zabe, we're moving closer to my idea for the, from the preseason. Just put the quarterback in a red jersey and hit him. <laughs> I know. A red jersey quarterback or put flags on the quarterback yeah. or go one step further to say we're just we're going to eliminate quarterback as a position as you know it. We're just going to have it be the passer position. Yeah. And you cannot tackle the passer. It would be so stupid and so lame that part of me says I think it's in play. I think the NFL thinks anything is in play when it comes to protecting their quarterbacks because the league is a television show about quarterbacks. Period. End of story. Period. And the and it, so yeah, it was, for them to double down on that. Okay, the the one Clay Matthews had a penalty at the end of the Bears game, which was almost catastrophic, and that was a legit penalty. He hit the guy, hit Trubisky in the head, and it was late and it was right. dumb. Right. It was frustration because he'd been chasing around all day, and that was the first shot he got. 
this one was in by no means was this a penalty. And then I'm getting a lot of people. Well, the rule book says like bullshit. Yeah, the rule book. They're saying they're, they're calling it the they're scoop. They're justifying it. Scoop and pull. Scoop and pull. Fuck that. Do you know what the scoop and pull is alternate alternately known as? What? Urban Dictionary. Ready? Okay. When you are riding your significant other and he lifts and pulls you by the cheeks to where you are then hovering over his face. Oh. <laughs> like, here's an example quote from a girl. Oh, my God, I was riding him, and all of a sudden he gives me a scoop and pull on his face. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Who even knew that that was a sexual oh. term as well? The scoop and pull. Love the Urban Dictionary. Uh, so is there any way we come to a more sensible way to both protect quarterbacks and not frustrate the shit out of fans who want to at least see the game of football being played like, well, tackle football? With these guys running the NFL? No. Okay, so is it going to get worse? We've crossed Are we the at the high water mark of quarterback protection? Can't, get them, can't hit them low, can't hit them high, can't brush them in the face. You cannot scoop and pull. You can't land on him with most of or all of your body weight. Are we? Is this it now? Is my question, Drew? This is the new normal. But is this uh, it? Are we done? Well, I mean, we're still going to bitch about it, and it's still no, no, happen, no, but... no, no, no. Uh, again, are we done writing rules in to protect the quarterback? Either oh. we're done or we're not done. I don't know that we're done. Thank you. Yeah, because you know what? Doing good ain't got no end. No, and and there will be something else today. It's the scoop and pull. Tomorrow it's the shift and bend. Well, I, the old shift and bend is also illegal, which is also in the sexual urban dictionary. I'm sure it probably <laughs> probably is. right. I just oh, yeah. it's so infuriating, and we have no way. I said this yesterday. We have no way to punish the league. The league deserves swift and immediate economic punishment. They deserve to see their sales go down 25% overnight until they change this policy. Because that's how most businesses work. They implement something that is wildly unpopular with customers, and they hear from it immediately in economic terms, right? Yes. Like new Coke. How long (laughs) did it take for the Coca-Cola Corporation to realize, oh, shit, we are in deep trouble if we don't fix this? Right? It, yeah. I mean So this is the new Coca football essentially. It sure seems that way. Okay. I mean, this is this here's the thing. For all the stuff about and all the all the bloviating we've done about anthem kneeling, this pisses fans off way more. Way more. Way, way more. more. This is like much more damaging to the product. A million times more. And the league is gonna have to try to figure out, okay, well, what are we gonna do on this? All right, let's move on to some other topics. Let's talk about your brewers here. For a second, Christian Yelich with the bicycle. I didn't know this was a term, just like scoop and pull. He hits for the cycle for the second time in a season, becoming one of only five men in baseball history to do so. And that is called a bicycle, I've been told. And you were there to score it last night, right? I I was the official scorer last night. Yes, indeed. Scorer to history. Front row seat to history. Now, wait. On the triple, the play came to the plate, as I recall. Yes, but he was easily going to score. He was easily going to come he, into well, third. Here's the beautiful thing about this: had the out been recorded at the plate, pretty sure it was Curtis Granderson. I think that scored. Okay. Uh, had he been out at the plate, it would have been a double and an RBI. I couldn't have given, and I would have been the biggest asshole in the stadium. Really pissed at me. Yeah. Really. Because you can't. 
if, if you can't get a tri- with a man on first, you can't get a triple unless the guy scores. If he's out of the plate, then it's not like a triple. It has to be interesting. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. It that would makes... have been a double by rule. By like, rule, I, there's nothing I could have done. Yeah, it's not a judgment call. It's a by rule. Would they have Would they have shown the uh, spotlight up at you sitting in the booth yeah, and then I think they did. put People on the jump? I was on for a little bit last night. There were some other funky, weird plays, but it was. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, have your training wheels been removed from your official scorer status? Uh, I'm still. I'm. I still consider myself a trainee. It's I'm still rookie year. But but you're no longer like. Do you have a supervisor next no, to you? No, no, no. I'm, so I'm, you're there I'm, I'm alone. In the chair. I'm captain. Captaining the dude. That's the shit. fucking awesome. Yeah, it's not as awesome as it sounds, Abe. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. It's a tough job. Toughest job you'll ever love. <laughs> Come on. But no, Yelich. Uh, and he came to the. He comes up needing a triple. And on TV, I looked at the monitor for a second, and they were showing that there's some. All right, so Miller Park's outfield was designed in part with input from Robin Yount, a Hall of Fame player, the most famous you know, brewer, arguably. Um, and he had said he wanted the, there to be triples. And so and there's only like two spots in the ballpark in the, kind of the power alleys where you can conceivably hit a ball where you can okay. get a triple, and those are the two. And that's where Yelich hits from right center to left center. That's, okay. He, he he and so he he picked one and shot it into the gap. Nice, nice, he's and, fast. Tell you what, he's and Granderson was a, safe, thank God. Here. So that allowed him to be yes. a triple. Yes, Yelich tell is us. becoming a local hero now, and people. Well, it took a while to warm up to him because he's playing like an MVP. But last night, chance of MVP were ringing down. People people love him. Someone said he is no longer just a a steal in a trade. He is a superstar with the best contract in baseball. Would you agree that That's he is a superstar with well, the best contract in baseball? I mean, clearly he's a superstar because he's playing at an MVP level. He's at 27, 26, 27 years old at the peak of his powers right now. He's, and what is he uh, under contract for? That's what you have. He's under contract until 2022. Uh, this year he's making $7 million. Next year it'll be $9.7 million. 2020, 2021, 14. And 2022 he makes $15 million. Bargain. Now, is he going to agitate for you guys so, to rip that deal up, or is that they, deal I, I set they, in stone? The, the way the Brewers operate, they might. But, yeah, he signed, I think it was a seven-year, $49 million contract. That's the first bite of the apple, as my friend Doug Melvin, the former Brewers GM, would say. He signed that big one, and then you're taken care of. and then Well, you just it's go seven play. years takes him to 34, though. Yeah. Uh, no, he's 20, in 2022, he'll be, that'll be his age 30 season. Oh, okay. All right, so, so he's got three so, more years then. Yeah, four more years or the, yes. the, yeah. There. So about. he has signed. Yeah, the, he is Brewer's property for uh, four years under contract. And and the Marlins just were in sell mode, right? Yeah. Yep. Fucking idiot, Derek Jeter. I oh, mean, really, absolutely. What what did the Marlins do? To I mean, they could have kept Yelich. They could have kept Stanton. They would have been in the mix this year in the NL East had they kept both guys. I believe. I mean. Those in the mix would definitely help. Yeah, look how bad the East is. I mean, and you wonder, in, in as morbid as it is, Jose Fernandez. I know killed in the boating crash. If that, that boat changed, accident doesn't happen, change the trajectory of the franchise. Guys? It absolutely did. But and you then, know what? Fuck them. You got Yelich and you stole him, and that's great. Yeah. And I understand he really likes Milwaukee. He has yeah, taken it, to the town. It's yeah for a guy, a, a, a Southern Cal guy. He's well, and Ryan Braun. He and Ryan Braun are from the same general area and have a similar story. He had a, a scholarship offer to Miami, but he didn't didn't go to college. He okay. went right to, to pro baseball. But 
He is playing, and I haven't seen anybody this dynamic offensively since Braun was at his peak was a couple of years ago when he was doing the MVP things. Nice. So it's it's uh, it's amazing, and he's becoming a heartthrob. The ladies like him. He looks like Pete Davidson from Saturday Night Live. That's what a lot of people say. <laughs> okay. And uh, he's you know you're starting to see uh, young girls wearing the shirtsies. Is he? Uh, yeah, he's a little bit, a little bit dorky looking, but he's uh, a ball player with skinny, checks appeal. Yeah, skinny and uh, just he's. Uh, I don't know. I guess with if if it was women and we were talking about, they would say like attainable. You know, he's not like the. You know, yeah, no, Tom he's Brady. No, he's like, you, you know, know what? He's, most most girls think that they could date him, a guy that looks like him. <laughs> right. His <laughs> his his facial features are not model quality. But he's got a great head of hair, uh, young, looks like a nice guy. Yeah, Lanky, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a, a Brewers put out a video last night of him trading a bat for his home run ball from la, from the from the cycle, and that was cool too to see the young young little Jimmy there who had the yeah. ball, and he's like, you know, he's all wide eyed, and he's like, yeah. So you play baseball, and he's like, yeah, I just played second and uh, outfield when I was growing up, and so that little kid turns into not always, but you know. That's what these ball players are. They're little kids who have grown up into grown ass men and get to play a kid's game for millions of dollars every year. Yeah. Not and a bad so, thing. Good story. The Brewers needed that win. They lost a series to the Pirates over the weekend. It's beginning to look like the Cubs are running away and hiding. So the Brewers are playing for that first wild card, which means there might be a playoff game at Miller Park. Which would be pretty awesome. I mean, you hate it to be a one game situation, but it'll be off the hook if that's the case. Yeah, and then it's a matter of who you're going to play, and that's still TBA. But they just need to keep in front and keep that home field advantage. Uh, currently, the Brewers are up three games on St. Louis for that first wild card, and you are now how many games behind in the? Uh... I think it's back. I think it's still three. Okay. In the... Yeah, it's three three behind yeah. in the division. So yeah, like the division ship is pretty much so. And kudos to the Cubs, man. They earned it. They they're in a brutal stretch. Schedule-wise, with no days off, I think they're 17-9, and nine, and they've picked up a half game on the Brewers because the Brewers have kept pace and played pretty well. Yeah. Okay. Looking forward to baseball. Did you see where the Hall of Famers now want money? They want insurance, oh, and they want money. A letter sent to the commissioner and the league office from a newly created Hall of Fame board. That has guys like Eric Dickerson, Marcus Allen, Derek Brooks, Jim Brown, Earl Campbell, and more. Says basically, we the undersigned Pro Football Hall of Famers, integral to the creation of the modern NFL, hereby demand health insurance and a salary. They say that to give health insurance for every Hall of Famer would be less than $4 million, which is less than thirty a single 30-second Super Bowl ad, or about $0.03 cents for every $100 the league generates in revenue. And they said that uh, you know they also want a salary for being a Hall of Famer. <laughs> Drew, oh boy, go ahead, have at this one. All right. Well, it speaks to the way the NFL has uh, basically screwed its players for generations, right? That have they, they screwed the players? Yeah. In what way? I think the players have the they have the worst deal. All right. So in baseball, if you play. 43 days in the major leagues, quarter yeah. of a season. Yeah. You have you are vested and you get 34 grand a year as a pension. Okay. Uh so one day in the major leagues, you are then under their health care plan basically for life. That's good. 
That's pretty, pretty good. If you make it to 10 years, that's the magic number of service time. Guys try to get to 10. That's yep. like I stuck around. And then the benefits, um, you can make, I think it's 120, 125 grand a year. Okay. Just in salary, just you can start drawing it. Obviously, it's if you wait until sixty-five. If you if you start dinging it early, it's less. Okay. But okay. Um, so that's pretty good, right there. They have it's a pretty Cadillac guaranteed plan. guaranteed contracts are a pretty good deal, right? Pretty good deal. Yeah. Okay. And the NFL right. is like not in that ballpark of all right of that. Here we go for this. I'm going to scoop and pull you right now, Drew. Okay. Here's why baseball has that. They paid for it in blood. They paid for it in multiple work stoppages that wiped out the world fucking series one year. They did it with the steely-eyed and iron-backed leadership of guys like Marvin Miller and Donald Fear. And they did it by policing their own and treating guys who crossed the picket line as utter shit, as scabs, right? This is how they got to that point in baseball. Before all this happened... Baseball players had it shitty, just like football players have now. Until NFL players have the stones to wipe out an entire season and a Super Bowl, they'll still be treated like like cattle. So that's yeah. what it's going to take. You're you're probably right, they, and you would hope. I mean, you'd hope that they could learn the lessons of the other leagues. Oh, but, I think the lessons but, are there. I think it's don't. just too many NFL players live week to week. And have too many baby mamas and too many cars and can't afford to miss a paycheck. Now, Le'Veon Bell has missed two paychecks. He may miss more. Not sure that's going to work out for him. But it's going to take the NFL players, who, by the way, I'm behind. I think the players are getting screwed in a lot of ways. I think the players need to, like a laser beam, focus on getting rid of the franchise tag and all tags because that's the big thing that's hampering their salaries right now. But they've got to find the resolve to do that. So... Anyway, back to the Hall of Famers. Can you imagine, Drew, how political it would be? It's already political as is, getting into the Hall of Fame. Imagine throwing into the laps of of 43 sports writers a lifetime health insurance plan and a salary if you vote a guy into the Hall of Fame. Can you imagine the appeals of, hey, this lineman, he's suffering from early-onset dementia and he's had to sell his Super Bowl ring because he can't afford insurance? Now, are you, as a sports writer, going to get and sit in that room and go, nah, he's not a Hall of Famer, screw him? I think that they, I think they probably would. I think they, you know, thumbs down. They would? Hell no! They would say, we've got to get this guy this salary, we've got to get this guy this health insurance, he's in. And if a guy gets into the Hall of Fame, who is in such a precarious situation health-wise or financially, what are guys like me going to think? Oh, well, they put him in only because they felt sorry for him, and now there's a salary and health insurance attached to this honor. I, I don't think. Man, if they talk about transgressions and, you know, like Darren Sharper's uh, criminal rape history isn't going to hurt his cause, if they're that judicious about it and they're they're that, you know, by the book, you think they're going to be swayed because they want a guy to get a salary from True. the Hall of Fame? Yes. I don't. Yes, these sports writers are bleeding heart liberals. No they, way. They, they are. They're that. all hard-leaning left sports writers, and they will do a solid to a guy who needs health insurance. Trust me on this. I don't believe it.
<laughs> I know you I don't, don't believe it. Believe it. No, I, I don't believe it. Because those are your way. people. You're keeping up for your own sports writers. Well, yeah. Trust me, these guys are not as ethical as you think. Did you see what Ed Bouchette said well, uh, during the Monday night game or the Thursday night game last week about Troy Aikman? No. So Ed Bouchette, who is a Hall of Fame voter for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, I think. Yeah, covered the Steelers forever. Yeah, he uh, he he tweets, just heard uh, Joe Buck refer to Troy Aikman as Hall of Famer Troy Aikman. Did I miss that vote? Question mark. He quickly deleted the tweet because he had indeed forgotten the fact that he is a Hall of Famer Troy Aikman. Okay. Kind of embarrassing, don't you think? Yeah, it's a silly tweet i mean did you miss that vote i mean what were you not in the room he was being sarcastic like he's not a hall of famer oh wait a minute yes he is is. how fucking clueless are you that you're on the hall of fame committee and you tweet something like that that's i think i think you put too much how many friends do you have on that football hall of fame panel go ahead disclose i don't know who's on it i know one guy i think Ah, i I might know i might know i don't know i don't know i literally don't know who's on it okay well, but anyway, I think it's I think it's a bad idea. Wait, wait, I think wait. it's a bad idea to let, attach a salary and lifetime insurance. Your, let me undercut your. You're premise scoop here. and pull me here. I'm a scoop and pull you right now. Get ready, because the idea that all right, the bleeding hearts that vote for this thing that kept Jerry Kramer out of the Hall of Fame for 45 fucking years. True. The idea that they're going to be swayed because we want to get this poor guy some money. The the jump. Jerry Kramer has made more money in the last year than he did in the 35 years before that because he is now a commodity. He is now a marketable. That exists whether it's a salary from the Hall of Fame or not. The jump that you take in your appearance fees and just your your whole Q rating. Right. So that already exists. So but, why but would wasn't they, Jerry the financial Kramer... benefits already exist for players for, who get into the Hall of Fame? So the idea that they're going to be swayed by this because they're going to get more money, this it's already there. I'm not saying that it's a slam dunk that a marginal candidate will get in for sure just because he's in bad health or needs the money. I'm saying it's a factor that will further poison, Drew, the supposed impartiality of the process of who is or is not a Hall of Famer. I don't. I don't see it. I don't. I don't think. I don't you don't think, think that, that that no, you don't think that that is a poisonous influence to attach a monetary award. No, because of like significance. I said, there's already significant jumps that in guys' value for making the Hall of Fame is just a huge. Writing that H O F on your autograph adds hundreds of thousands of dollars. To no, your it doesn't. Bottom line. Oh, absolutely. Per year. It does. Absolutely. Hundreds of thousands. Yes. So you go from $100,000 a year signing autographs to 300000 I would say yes. I would say it at least doubles. We need a, a card expert or an autograph expert, but there's no doubt. They do these big sh- there's a whole circuit of these shows. You can do shows you, know, you think every, Joe every DeLamalier is really making that much money signing fucking autographs? He's a Hall of Famer. He after he, After yeah. he lobbied and lobbied and lobbied for years. Yeah, because why do they do that? Because the value of their signature I know. goes up. And, and so, why then, so why then do they need money on top of this? First of all, let me pin you down. Are you First for all, this? Why don't they want money? I mean, Okay, for, so let me pin you down. Are you for this or against this? Well, I don't know their whole particulars. Like, what do they get? Just give I, me an answer. Are you for know. them getting... The They're demanding you, health insurance for the Hall of Famers and a salary of, of as employees of the Hall of Fame because... What, the Hall of Fame now? They're building this Hall of Fame village. They yeah, want a piece yeah, of the pie. Yeah. Shocker. 
but then why don't uh, it should be a players association thing, not a Hall of Fame association thing. Okay. They they struck out on their own because they smelled money and they want a piece. So you for it or against it? I get against it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't you guess? Yeah, I don't. I don't see uh, like. What about the other guy? What about guys who what about don't guys make the who Hall just of Fame? miss it, right? Yeah, what about the guys who, who had... don't make the Hall of Fame? Why can't they get a piece of that pie too? <laughs> and, and how about a retired player? It just and this speaks to they need to juice the benefits because those guys are they're all getting screwed. They got such a crappy deal of all the pro sports. NBA pensions are better. Everybody's got a better deal than the NFL. I, I I'm, I'm more sympathetic to health care than anything else because these guys do fuck their bodies up nine ways to Sunday, uh, playing Sunday football, but. They also abuse their bodies in other ways totally unrelated to football. Alcoholism and oh, other yeah. stuff afterwards. So, you know, a guy plays in the NFL for eight years, which is a good long career, right? Gets out at 30 years old. That's a lot of lifetime left in which the NFL is going to be on the hook for his health insurance so- as he might become a drunk or a drug addict or an alcohol or something for the next 50 years of his life. Well, what's the what's the threat here? Okay, so Dickerson, uh, Marcus Allen, Earl Campbell. Oh, Deion they say Sanders, they Warner. say they so say they're all going to go to Chattanooga on Hall of Fame weekend and sign autographs with To. That's what's yeah. That's the funny part. This and is the NFL why going to say go ahead because then they're costing themselves money by not going to Canton. Possibly. So okay, and <laughs> these are the, these are the stones you want current players to have, and maybe they do need this. Uh, this kick in the ass and the these guys maybe they will set an example but i'll believe it when i see it that they're going to take away you know that because it, it'll cost them money i kind of am right now arguing both sides of the street here because while i said on the one hand if the nfl players really want what They'd baseball walk. has they need to break the league and cancel the super bowl one year on the other hand i'm saying fuck these guys get a salary for being in the hall of fame that's a terrible idea I, I, I like you. I, I respect the fact that they're going after this money. I suppose I respect the fact, or I don't respect it. I understand that they've decided now is the time to come after a chunk of the money, but I, I think it's a horrible idea. It's a horrible idea that is not well thought through, and it places an artificial premium on guys who make the Hall of Fame. You know, I'm sitting here in D.C. with a guy in Joe Jacoby who is a phenomenal fucking player, a Hall of Fame player by any measure, except for the th- 43 idiot sports writers who just don't see it and will never see it. And I don't want to think of him getting screwed out of a salary and a a, a lifetime gold-plated health plan because of these fucking sports writers. I can't stomach that. I wouldn't like to think of that. It's bad enough that Joe Jacoby's not able to write HOF next to his signature. I don't want this on top of it. There there you go. Now, bad idea. As a Hall of Fame voter for Major League, for the Baseball Hall of Fame, yes, I'm not swayed by a lot of that stuff. It's about I, I can divorce myself from the guys, right. but luckily, situation health wise and and other other in other ways. But the thing is, it, with Hall of Fame, it's it's almost it's almost like yeah, I, I've thought about and other entities have barred people from voting. I've thought about giving up the vote. Really? Yeah, because it's just like what's it. How many? Yeah. How many? The, the the baseball process throws a mountain of votes at it every year. How many people vote in the baseball Hall of Fame? Usually Roughly. about eight hundred to nine hundred. Eight probably. to nine hundred. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. I think it is pretty much strength in numbers. That eight nine hundred voters can't be wrong. Like the old saying, fifty million Frenchmen can't be wrong. Eight hundred nine hundred voters generally get it right. I don't like forty three for football. That's for sure. Do, would you change the baseball process in any way? 
Uh, it's a lot more transparent now, and it's uh, I I I think it's pretty good as as it goes. I think it is the best. I think it's the, you know, you got to have seventy five percent. You got to be named on it. There's a couple things I would change in terms of guys like falling off the ballot and stuff. Okay. That there, there's a couple of things with the ballot that I would I would change, and the idea that you can only vote for ten on the ballot in a given ballot that that is limiting. I think you should be able to vote for more. Okay. But there, other than that, I think it's of the of the I don't even know what the basketball Hall of Fame criteria is. Uh, nobody knows either. Plus, the basketball Hall of Fame encompasses both the NBA, college, and international. There yeah. needs to be an NBA Hall of Fame separate. Just for guys in their NBA careers. That but that's kind of cool. That's a story for another day. Anything real quick before we get to FTG? Uh, let's see. Well, I, I don't think so. I think okay. Covered pretty much. Well, with that then, get your double-barreled shotgun lo- locked and loaded for this one. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. All right, Drew, who is your FTG for the week? Guns blazing for NFL referees and the whole apparatus. Um, so, my, my fuck, that guy is a, a, a double barrel. I saw Dean Blandino's statement coming out against the, the league and the, the, the interpretation of the, what are we calling it? Bland, the, the scoop and pull? So, and Blandino pull. was anti the Clay Matthews in, uh, the penalty. penalty. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right, Bland- there's one barrel. Well, the, the fact that Blandino is there, and after all his years of obfuscating and everything, and the fact that we have to look at Jeff Triplett passing himself off as an officiating expert when he was the worst, worst guy official ever. of all time. Both of those guys. So we're mad at the referees, but I'm mad at the cottage industry of, of analyzing the referees, and I'm mad at Triplett because he sucked, and Blandino because I didn't like him as a spokesman, and now seeing him on TV, both of them make my stomach turn, so fuck those guys. Double barrel, fuck that guy. We don't yep. actually advocate shooting those gentlemen or shooting anybody. Those nope. sound effects were merely colorful sprinkles in today's podcast. Exactly. Oh, don't you I think fucking though, have t- to read that disclaimer is just beyond me. But okay. Yeah. There the, you old, go. the old, the old, the uh, old. Hey, let's throw it to Dean Blandino. Come on. I know. Clown show. Dean, Dean Blandino, who never wore the lanyard of shame, never exactly. refereed ever. He was a video coordinator and a rules nerd, and now he's on TV. All right, my fuck that guy goes to one Antonio Brown, who actually is the star of my fantasy team, but hey, I separate fantasy from everything else. Last week, Antonio Brown had to apologize after he threatened the undefeated Jesse Washington over a story that shed life onto his personal life and his Instagram activity. Brown threatened to physically harm the reporter in a now-deleted tweet. In it, he wrote... Wait till I see you, bro. We gon' see what your jaw like. Brown then issued an apology to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I made a mistake in judgment with my tweet last week, and I apologize for that. It's not okay to threaten anyone, and I need to be better spiritually and professionally. Hey, Antonio Brown, you are the best receiver in football. You just got paid. Chill the fuck out. Enjoy life, because this, too, will be over before you know it. Fuck that guy! I don't get this whole, like, hey, you wrote something not entirely positive. I'm going to threaten you. Like, grow up. Of course, it's been happening, I guess, since the dawn of sports and sports Uh, writers, right? I always, my take on that, when you're standing in the locker room after writing something like that, 
hit me so I can retire. <laughs> Take a swing. <laughs> I might be in a coma for a month or so, but when I wake up, I'll be retired. I'll live at Del Boca Vista, oh. and I'll play 36 holes a day. Very good. Drew, you can be heard on the Big 920 in Milwaukee, also via the iHeartRadio app. Right? And or just the yes, iHeart app, I guess. IHeart app. That. We love the iHeart app. Yes, free and fabulous. You can listen to shows all over the country and uh, at Drew Olson MKE on Twitter. All right, buddy. You just had your physical at age 52. Everything looked good? Look Everything clean. ship shape, my man. Ship shape. They said you got a body of a 49-year-old. You look great. Now get out of my office. <laughs> all right, Drew. We'll see you next week. All right, bud. Let's end with this one today. I had to double and triple check to make sure this was not a spoof on a website like The Onion or something else. It apparently is real. Dateline, Uranus, Missouri. It's in Pulaski County, Missouri. And the new newspaper is being called the Uranus Examiner. (laughs) That's the name that Natalie Sanders, the managing editor of the paper, announced on Wednesday afternoon. We had thought about Constitution, but most of us, the people who love us, were part of coming up with the name. They liked the examiner better, she said. The announcement was made Wednesday at the Chamber of Commerce luncheon after the Waynesville Daily Guide was shut down by their parent company, Gatehouse Media. Then the man they consider the mayor of Uranus, Louis Keene, it's the name of the town, people, is backing the weekly newspaper to fill the void left behind by the Waynesville Daily Guide. Sanders is the former managing editor of the Waynesville Daily Guide. She left the now-defunct paper in June, has teamed up with the tourist attraction Uranus to start what she calls a fun paper for marketing the businesses and attractions at the tourist town. I didn't know that Uranus, Missouri, on historic Route 66, was such a big place. Uh, They've got chicken bones, party bar and grill, wings, wings, wings. And on their sign it says, it's not a town, It's a destination. Well, of course, the obvious double entendre of an anal inspection, the Uranus Examiner, is probably the perfect name, I guess. Although, can you imagine that on your business card as you travel around and people that don't know of Uranus, Missouri? uh, Who do you work for? Uh, The Uranus Examiner. The Waha? What the hell did you just say? Oh, yeah. No, you, you heard me right there. Yeah, exactly. The Uranus Examiner. When uh, Scott used to list off random papers when we would do the Daily Zabe on the morning show, I only wish that the Uranus Examiner was around because it would be absolutely his favorite. Instead, it used to be the Waynesville Daily Guide. And there's no sizzle in that. There's no pop in that. There's There's no publicity in that. I just gave Uranus, Missouri. I put Uranus on the map and your ass is in the jackpot. I put Uranus, Missouri... In your mind, because of the story, because of sophomoric humor, of <laughs> the Uranus Examiner. <laughs> Get the whole fist up there. Moon River. Good luck to the Examiner. Maybe I'll buy an online subscription if they sell it. Thank you for listening. Download, subscribe, comment, and like, and tell two or three or nine friends. We continue to grow and grow and grow. It's extremely reinforcing to me. Premium Zabe can be had at zabe.com slash premium. And another monster week of FFWF is coming soon on Friday. Football, five ways Friday. Only $4.99 a month. 
Help support this podcast if you can. If not, no big deal. Monday through Thursday, absolutely free. Now get on out of here. Have yourselves a Wednesday, and we will see you next time.